Today's message I have entitled, A River of Peace. Are you experiencing it? In Psalm 119, 165, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Or some say, nothing will cause them to stumble. Wonderful promise, and we're going to dig into this beautiful promise today. In uh, Luke 1:79, where a prophecy is being given about the Messiah, one of the things it mentions is to guide our feet into the way of peace. So when Jesus came to earth, he came for many reasons, but one of them was to guide our feet into the way of peace. In uh, Luke 19, 41 and 42, it says, And when he was come near, this is Jesus as he is moving on his triumphal entry, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. <clears throat> but now they are hid from thine eyes. So <clears throat> Jesus wanted the Jewish nation to experience this peace that Psalm 119 addresses. But they chose not to enjoy that peace, and it brought real pain to his heart. He even brought tears to his eyes. And in Luke 24, 36, it says, And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. After his resurrection, he wanted to give the assurance to his disciples that he loved them still, but when he greeted them, he gave this greeting, peace be unto you. And that's in many of the epistles in the New Testament. It's the desire of every person that all of us would have this peace. In Philippians 4 verse 7, it says, "In the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this peace is so wonderful that we cannot understand it fully. It is beyond our understanding. And yet, we can have much. And that's what he wants us to have. In John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So there is a difference between the peace that most people on this earth are wanting and the peace that Jesus wants for us. And it's the real peace. He said, it's not like the world gives. Now, maybe you've seen the painting 
where there's a storm going on and there's a little dove that's kind of hidden in a little place in the rock and the wind is just blowing everywhere but the dove is in a peaceful spot. Well, the world wants to have peace all around them. They don't want any war, they don't want any pestilence, they don't want any uh, bad things going on, they want everything peaceful around them. But this is not the peace that Jesus gives. It's an inner peace that we can be peaceful in the midst of the storm. John 16:33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. It's like saying if, if you are connected to Jesus, if he is dwelling inside you, then you will have peace because he has peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. So he said, don't, don't think that around you is going to be peaceful. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So throughout all the difficulties, we can be peaceful. And of course, we're going through one right now. And many people are getting really frustrated with being cooped up in the house. But however long it's best to do that, Jesus can give you peace to be able to do it. And of course, it's a good time to be studying your Bible. In Colossians 1.20, it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross. So it's through the death of Jesus and the sacrifice that he was willing to make that we can have the peace that he offers. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So even heaven is able to have peace through the cross. And those of us on earth who uh, understand how Jesus wants to give us that peace, this is a wonderful experience that he really wants us to have. He doesn't want us to be lacking in peace. Now Paul says quite a bit about it in uh, Romans 2 verses 9 and 10. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. In other words, those that go on sinning and they don't let Jesus cure them of that, they are going to have tribulation and anguish. Every soul, he said, doesn't matter whether they're a Jew or a Gentile, that's what they're going to experience. And uh, why does he say Jew first? Because they could know better and should know better. And so their tribulation is even worse than the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So the opposite is true that when a Jew surrenders their life to Jesus, 
they can have these three things, but we're looking especially at peace, that they have a peace, a bigger peace even than the Gentile because of all the uh, truth that they know about. And in chapter 3, verse 10, and then verse 17, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. This, of course, is talking about the way we're born, the way we are until we're converted, that uh, nobody's righteous. And as a result, verse 17 says, And the way of peace have they not known. So until we get connected with Jesus, who is the giver of peace, the prince of peace, then uh, we don't have peace. We might find a way to get things around us to be peaceful, but it's usually only temporary, and soon that is gone. Romans 5.1 gives a clear statement of how to get it. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we could say at the point that we surrender our heart to Jesus and we are converted, or in this case it says justified, at that moment a peace floods over us. And we're going to read a beautiful example of this in a little bit. But this is when the peace can really begin that Jesus wants us to have. In Romans 8, 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the carnally minded person is one that's not converted yet, and uh, that's, of course, the way we're born. But when we're converted, God gives us a new mind. It's called a spiritual mind. And once we have accepted that spiritual mind, we have entered into life, and also we have entered into peace. And chapter 10, verse 15, it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And that's really all of our job to do, to be a carrier of peace. If we never had it for a while, or we didn't have it for a while, and now we have it, we should be able to understand what a tremendous relief it was to get that peace, and that we would long for other people to have that peace as well. And so we become uh, preachers of the gospel of peace. And uh, those that catch on and, and actually experience it, they are so happy that we came to introduce them to the gospel of peace. And chapter 15, verse 33, Now the God of peace be with you all. So here he calls him the God of peace. And uh, he longs for that God of peace to be with all of those that have heard the gospel from him. 
And again in 1620, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. This is a forecast, and I believe the word shortly applies even more to our day than their day, that uh, the God of peace is in the business of bruising Satan under our feet and giving us the peace that Satan would love to rob us of. Now let's take a closer look at this matter of peace. In a, a book called That I May Know Him, page 120, it says God presents to the world two classes. And we've noticed that in the Bible. For the one, that is the wicked, now, a wicked person is simply someone that hasn't accepted Jesus. He says, there is no peace. For the wicked, there is no peace. That's from Isaiah 48:22. Of the other, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So here's the two classes in our world. Those that are uh, moving along in sin and don't, at this point anyway, they don't care about the fact that they're sinning, but they do care about the fact that they don't have peace. And it's a frustrating experience for them not to have the peace. But the one that has yielded themselves to God, they have the possibility of having peace. Now, I believe that uh, everything in, in the Christian life grows and advances. So you may find yourself, even if you have yielded your heart to Jesus, that sometimes you are not at peace. Well, the answer is connect to the peace giver, the God of peace, and you can return to peace. And what he wants us to do is to learn to be at peace all the time through the connection with Christ. And in the first selected messages, 235, it says there is no peace in unrighteousness. In other words, you can sin all you want and you're not gonna find peace in that pathway. The wicked are at war with God, but he who receives the righteousness of the law in Christ is in harmony with heaven. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That's Psalm 85, 10. So the creator of the universe did not plan on sin. And when anyone gets involved in sin, they're not going to have peace because they're at war with the rest of the universe and with God himself. And you can't have peace until you surrender to God. And then you can have the peace that he planned for the human race and all the beings of the universe to have. In Desire of Ages, page 302, it says, the peace of Christ is born of truth. In other words, the more truth you practice, 
the more peace you have. It is harmony with God. The world is at enmity with the law of God. Sinners are at enmity with their maker. And as a result, they are at enmity with one another. So here are the two sources of not having peace. Number one, to be at war with God. And the other is to be at war with your fellow man. And so you can't have peace. But the psalmist declares, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Men cannot manufacture peace. Human plans for the purification and uplifting of individuals or of society will fail of producing peace because they do not reach the heart. And so, you know, man struggles and tries to obtain peace, does everything possible to try to reach it, but it is a fruitless endeavor. There's only one power that can bring peace, and that's the power that comes from Jesus who can change the heart. Man cannot change the heart. He can force, we've seen a lot of that, haven't we? He can force people to do certain things, but he cannot change the heart. And we're seeing a lot of people right now that are very angry that they've been forced and are determined to fight for their rights. And uh, why? Because man cannot change the heart. This goes on to say, the only power that can create or perpetuate true peace is the grace of Christ. So if we really want peace, there's only one place to get it. We have to come to Jesus. He's trying to draw us all the time. He's trying to pull us toward him. We have to surrender and let him pull us toward him. And then we are on the path to obtain peace. When this is implanted in the heart, it will cast out the evil passions that cause strife and dissension. Now here's a sentence that helps us to realize that it is a growth situation. And even though you surrender yourself to Jesus the first time, there are still things in your life that have to be gotten rid of. You still have some evil passions. You have some uh, tendency to cause strife and dissension. But the more uh, truth we receive and the more we allow Jesus to work, then uh, those things disappear. And here's a wonderful promise in Isaiah. Here's what happens to the person that's willing to let Jesus work. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. It's obvious which one is the best, the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And life's desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. So. Sometimes we use those texts uh, to describe what's going to happen when God recreates the earth. 
But here we see another dimension of those verses that are telling us what kind of blessings come as a result of seeking for that peace at the hand of Jesus. Now, I'm going to share three experiences that Ellen White had, which reveals the kind of peace that human beings can have. The first one was at the time of her baptism. She was only a teenager at that time, but God blessed her abundantly. And it's in the book, Life Sketches, page 145. Finally, the day was appointed for us to receive this solemn ordinance. Sounds like she had to wait a while and it was difficult. Although usually enjoying at this time great peace, I frequently feared that I was not a true Christian and was harassed by perplexing doubts as to my conversion. Now, there could be some that hear this message and you too have some of those fears. But uh, that can happen even to the true Christian. That's where we have to learn to trust. If we have given our life to him, then how we feel is not important. We have to trust and believe. It was a windy day when we, 12 in number, were baptized, walking down into the sea. The waves ran high and dashed upon the shore. But in taking up this heavy cross, that's a reference to the trials that would be coming upon her, my peace was like a river. Doesn't that sound wonderful? To be in a situation where you can honestly say, I have peace like a river. When I arose from the water, my strength was nearly gone, for the power of the Lord rested upon me. I felt that henceforth I was not of this world, but had risen from the watery grave into a newness of life. So she felt so much peace and so uh, many wonderful things that it was like she had transferred from earth to heaven. And God, if he gives it to one of us, he's willing to give it to all of us. Here's another experience in regard to Australia, a school that was uh, being built over there in Australia. And this is found in the eighth manuscript releases, page 369. In the darkest hour of the establishment of the Avondale School, when the outlook seemed the most discouraging, I was sitting in the hotel in Kurumbang, then used by our people, completely wearied out by the complaints made regarding the land. Now, to the average person, that piece of land looked like it wasn't worth buying. In fact, one person said, if a bandicoot 
was going to travel across that piece of land, he would have to carry his lunch with him. They just didn't think that that land could produce crops and fruit trees and all the rest. But God had revealed that this is the property that we should get. My heart was sick and sore, but suddenly a great peace came upon me. So it was just like she was getting stirred up and frustrated maybe and, and wishing that people would accept what had been prophesied. And uh, all of a sudden, it's just like Jesus poured into her room and she had this tremendous peace come upon her. Angels seemed to be in the room. And then the words were spoken, Look ye! And I saw flourishing cultivated land, bearing its treasure of fruit and root crops. You know, God can see the future uh, just as well as the past. And so later when the school was established and they worked the land, this is what was the result. Amazing crops, incredible crops. And I saw flourishing cultivated land bearing its treasure of fruit and root crops. Many resources were spread out before me and wherever my eye was directed, I saw prosperity. It was the right piece of land. And as she was bothered by all the doubts and complaining, God just poured in that peace to her and she didn't worry anymore. Here's the third experience from a Ninth Manuscript Releases, page 51. As I was hurrying around to get things closed up in order to come into this meeting, although I was in a hurry and my head tired and I was somewhat perplexed, I felt a great peace upon me. So in the middle of all this rush and hurry to, to get ready to be able to go to that meeting, at the same time she had this amazing peace. Now, brethren, I would not give up that peace for all the praise and all the honor and all the glory that there is in this world because I appreciate every ray of light and every impression of the Spirit of God. Interesting. Here we see a contrast. You know, the world is really eager to have these things that, you know, they want praise, they want honor, they want glory. But the peace that Jesus can give is so wonderful that she could say, it's worth more than all of those things. If I don't have any of those things, but I have peace, I'm happy. Oh, I appreciate the connection. In other words, I know where it comes from. It comes from Jesus. Oh, I appreciate the connection. I want to keep this connection. And I hope that's your desire today, that you are connected, you know how important the connection is, 
You want to make sure you stay connected. I want to keep this connection. I do not want the connection broken between my soul and my God. So as long as that connection stays strong and firm, that peace keeps flowing like a river into our experience. I want the communication open between God and my soul, and then I can say, indeed, it is well, it is well with my soul. Beautiful words from that song. In the first selected messages, page 235, has a very interesting explanation of why it is that the law brings great peace. The law is an expression of God's idea. When we receive it in Christ, it becomes our idea. Now before uh, we receive Christ, we tend to fight against the law. We tend to think it's something bad, it's something harmful, why? Because it makes us feel guilty. But when we receive it in Christ, then it actually becomes pleasant and it becomes our idea. And that's the way we want to live. It lifts us above the power of natural desires and tendencies, above temptations that lead to sin. Wow. What a blessing. All those struggles that we would have through our connection with Jesus and through that law that he puts into us to the point where it becomes our idea, that lifts us above all of those natural desires and tendencies so that great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. And it adds this little explanation, cause them to stumble. So really the text means, and nothing will cause them to stumble. When the law becomes our idea, because Jesus put it in there, just like Hebrews tells us, that he writes his law on our heart, then that law, brings about peace because we're obeying that law. And here's another one. To keep every jot and tittle of the law is essential for our own happiness and for the happiness of all connected with us. So <clears throat> we might just uh, think it's okay to keep the big aspects of the law. Well, then your peace is going to be smaller. But when a person allows Jesus to help them keep even the small aspects of the law, that every jot and tittle of the law is essential for us to have the kind of peace that he wants to give us. And that's how we get the great peace that David was talking about. And in Second Testimonies 579, 
all who are pursuing the onward Christian course should have and will have an experience that is living, that is new and interesting. So as we walk the Christian life, all kinds of things happen. A living experience is made up of daily trials, conflicts, and temptations. So those are the things that are around us, daily trials, conflicts, and temptations, strong efforts and victories, and great peace and joy gained through Jesus. So we are to look upon the trials, the conflicts, the temptations as opportunities to press through them and keep that peace. It requires strong efforts and it requires a victory, but when we gain that victory through Christ, then we get that great peace and joy. A simple relation of such experiences gives light, strength, and knowledge that will aid others in their advancement in the divine life. So, when we have one of those experiences and we share it with others, that is very encouraging because everyone has to go through these kind of things. And uh, you can see the ones that Ellen White went through and it's very uplifting, I, I find, to read those experiences and we can share with each other those experiences too. In Fourth Testimonies 101, you have not felt your whole dependence upon God and your inefficiency and weakness without his special wisdom and grace. So this individual was kind of going on their own and to a large degree, maybe even totally. You worry, fear, and doubt because you have worked too much in your own strength. In God, you can prosper. In humility and holiness of mind, you will find great peace and strength. So this individual was not experiencing great peace. And the reason is they were depending on their own strength. And so the remedy was Remember your weakness. Remember you can't do anything without Jesus. You have to have him. You have to be humble and, and cast yourself upon him. And if you do that, then you will have great peace and strength. They shine brightest who feel most their own weakness and darkness. For such make Christ their righteousness. So the individual that can do the most amount of good is the one who feels and recognizes their weakness. And yet they can have that wonderful peace that Jesus gives them. Your strength should come from your union with him. So that flow of his power and his presence into the life is what gives us that peace. Now let's just review what we've learned from this text. Psalm 119, 165. 
Number one, loving the law, which is caused by a creative act of God. If we try to love the law in our own strength, we might get to where we like some of it, but we'll have a struggle with some of the rest of it because it's just not possible. But, and, and if we keep the law, but we don't love to keep the law, you don't get the peace that way either. So the recipe is letting God create within our hearts a love of God's law, which he has to do by the power of creation. Then, as we read, it becomes our idea. And now we love to do it. We find it pleasant to do that. And the more we do it, the more peace we get, which leads to number two. When we love that law and are receiving his power into the life, it causes us to be able to resist sin by God's power. And so uh, that was the last part of the verse where it pointed out that we won't stumble, that it will, this love of the law and this constant connection with him will cause us to resist sin, which brings peace. As soon as you sin, you lose peace. Now we can get it back again through confession and, and you know, uh, getting uh, closer to him, but we lose it for a time. And uh, he doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to uh, be able to resist him through his power. And then, of course, the result is great peace. The more the individual is able through the power of Christ to obey the law, the more peace they have. And this makes them a good instrument to share peace with other people. Now, <clears throat> as we look at this wonderful privilege that we have as a Christian, Jesus is sad if he can't give it to us. Or if we taste it only now and then. And so today I appeal to you to think about the kind of peace and how we get it that we've studied today. And believe that God wants to give you peace 24 hours. Well, when you're sleeping, you may not uh, be aware of whether you're at peace or not. But certainly 16 hours a day, he wants to give us peace, no matter what we go through. I've been struggling a little with having peace in some of the situations that I've been going through, but uh, he's been teaching me this lesson just like he did Ellen White. And when I recognize that I'm not at peace, I go back to him and I say, please help me to trust you. I know that I can have the peace that you want me to have. And he's been doing it. And so I praise God for that. And long for each one of you to have that continuous peace that he wants to give you.